Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is episode 20 of Make and Multiply. My name is Ryan Chase. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church. Thanks for listening. We have covered at this point most of the content in our discipleship huddle guide. Uh, That content is meant to equip the members of Emmaus Road Church to participate in what we call discipleship huddles, groups that meet together uh, regularly to hear God's word and apply it to our lives by faith. to repent and believe, that is to identify areas of unbelief and idolatry in our hearts, areas of remaining sin, and then to deal with those through the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ by repenting, turning from our sin, trusting in Jesus Christ alone, and experiencing uh, sanctification and help and Uh, grace in our time of need that is actually changing us and conforming us more and more to to the likeness of Jesus. And then those groups plan and pray together. We pray for those we know who are far from God. We make plans to live by faith in the coming week and to talk about Jesus in the relationships that he has given us so that we can multiply disciples. Disciples make disciples who make disciples. In this episode, I want to talk about self-control over emotions. This is a a theme that's come up in uh, a number of conversations that I've had with people lately. It's something that's been incredibly helpful in my life personally. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit produces this in people who have been born again, who are walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Uh, The Spirit of God produces in us self-control. And when you think about self-control, most likely the the first place your mind goes would be self-control over your behavior, your conduct. Uh, For example, if if a person has self-control, then when they are frustrated or angry, they're able to restrain the expression of that frustration and not lash out in a fit of anger. Or if a person has self-control, they're able to Uh, resist the urge to overeat and indulge their appetite. They have some control. They they have some restraint over their body. Uh, So so certainly that is part of self-control. But think about how we are holistic beings. Uh, We have thoughts. We have emotions and feelings. We have behavior. And we can't really isolate these into separate and distinct categories that don't touch the other ones. It's all related. So as single holistic beings, uh, we experience thoughts. We have thoughts about the world around us, about the things that we're experiencing, and those thoughts produce in us emotions and, and feelings. Feelings are Um, somewhat binary. We feel good or bad. We feel pleasure or pain, hot or cold. We have a complex array of emotions that we experience as well. And emotions really do move us. The word emotion means to to move out. Uh, Emotions stir us and they move us. And a lot of times people are controlled by their emotions and act by how they feel. Um, And then so our behavior, our actions come out of 
our thoughts and our emotions as we decide how to live or we, we live based on, on our feelings. So when you think about self-control, uh, I want to broaden that to, to include self-control over actions as well as self-control over your thoughts and beliefs and self-control over your emotions. And how does a believer experience self-control in these areas? This is something that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 when he says to Christians regarding their thinking, uh, he points out that the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds, but that this is not how believers are to live. Because, he says, this is not the way that you learned Christ, this is Ephesians 4.20, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so Paul calls believers to be renewed in the spirit of our minds as this ongoing process of ongoing and progressive sanctification. He says, this is the way that you learned Christ. This is the life of the disciple, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to continually put off the old self, put on the new self, put off the old manner of life, put off those old desires, put on the new self, which is remade. It's it's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And that new self has new desires, new affections, uh, new thoughts, a mind that's able to think the truth. And so this gives us incredible hope that self-control in our thinking and self-control in our feelings and emotions and self-control in our conduct is all possible through Jesus Christ, through union with him by faith. So the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 112, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I incline my heart. So there's some uh, self-control that the psalmist is asserting here over his own heart, over his own affections and and desires. And he's saying, I I am actively inclining my heart toward you. Uh, In other places, we see the psalmist pray and ask God to do that, incline my heart toward you and toward your word. And so it's right for us to pray that way. Um, The point is that we are to take self-control. This is a fruit of the Spirit, so it's Spirit-empowered self-control over our heart and over our desires. We're told in Scripture to delight ourselves in the Lord, Psalm 37, 4. We're, we're commanded again and again and again, maybe the most uh, frequently repeated command in Scripture, do not be afraid or fear not. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And Jesus commands us in Matthew 6 and Paul in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your life or your food or your clothing. Rather, as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So all of these commands are getting at uh, emotions. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do not fear. Rejoice in the Lord. Cast your anxieties on him. Scripture calls us to do something proactively about how we feel. And then on the other side, we're told in places like Titus 3.3, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. So Paul 
describes life outside of Christ as slavery to passions and pleasures. Uh, we're told in Colossians 3.5 to put to death what is earthly in us, which includes sexual immorality, it includes impurity, it includes passion and evil desires and covetousness. So there are desires and strong affections that rise up within us. And just because we feel that doesn't mean that we are to be enslaved to it. Rather, in Christ, we are empowered to put to death what is earthly in us, which includes passions, desires, pleasures, affections. And so this is part of the process of ongoing sanctification as well. And a lot of times, it's easy to fall into this thought that um, a, a mood settles over me. Uh, I feel a certain way and, and I can't just find a, a switch to flip and feel differently. Therefore, I am a helpless slave to this mood or these these feelings that I have. Um, so how can we as disciples of Jesus actually assert this spirit-empowered self-control over our emotions? Uh, the emphasis there is on spirit-empowered self-control. This is not just uh, sheer willpower or the strength that we have on our own apart from Christ. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. That means the Spirit of God produces this in us. And how do you experience the Spirit? Um, well, before Paul gets to Galatians 5, he says back in Galatians 3, you experience the Spirit, you receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith. So you hear God's Word and you believe it. You receive it by faith. So this is one way that, that I do this and uh, have encouraged others. When you experience strong negative emotions or moods, uh, begin by just identifying what do you feel. And I find that many of us use the word I feel when what we mean is I think or I believe. And we're not very good at separating out our thoughts and judgments from our feelings. For example, someone might say, I feel like no one cares about me. Well, no one caring about me isn't a feeling. What, what we mean is, I think, or I believe, or I am convinced, no one cares about me. The, the unpleasant feeling that probably goes along with that is loneliness, uh, maybe despair, hopelessness. So those are the things that we feel because underneath that, we have passed this judgment. We have become convinced in our own minds, no one cares about me. So begin with identifying what, what do I actually feel? Is it loneliness? Is it despair? And, and as you talk about how you feel, start to recognize the things that you're saying. Is that actually a feeling? Is that actually an emotion? Or is it a belief and a conviction? And separate those out and reword the things that are convictions or beliefs um, and, and reword them to say, I think, or I believe, or I'm, I'm convinced. So another statement someone might make is something like, I feel like God is distant. Well, again, that, that's not an emotion. Uh, what we mean is, I believe God is distant. I'm, I'm convinced that God is distant from me. So we want to translate our I feel statements into the underlying thoughts or beliefs or judgments. And at this point, what we have to be careful to do is not act based on our feelings. Um, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. We start with how we feel. We feel some unpleasant thing and we want to get rid of that as quickly as possible. And so when we act on our feelings to make ourselves feel better, uh, that's when we oftentimes act in sin against God and 
towards other people around us. So don't act on your feelings. Start to translate the I feel statements into the underlying judgment. Uh, I think it's Jay Adams who talks about at the root of our feelings are our thoughts, judgments, and beliefs. So I think in three categories uh, of my my beliefs or my convictions, uh, I form in my mind thoughts and, and judgments about my situation, about myself in the midst of that situation, and about God. And so I find that it's it's beneficial to identify what am I convinced is true about my situation. My situation is hopeless. It's never going to change. It's not going to get better. Uh, I am hopeless. I'm beyond God's reach. Um, I'm never going to change. Uh, but really, what am I believing about God? God has abandoned me. God is not at work here. God can't do anything about this. Uh, and then when you start to realize that that's what you're believing, that's what you're, you've become convinced of, that's what you're repeating in your own mind, what you're saying to yourself over and over, what you're thinking, no wonder you feel so miserable. Uh, those are miserable beliefs to have. So once we identify those then we need to evaluate our thoughts and judgments in light of what God says in his word. His word is true. His word is authoritative. We want to do like uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We want to take those thoughts and judgments that we have and bring them before the throne of of Jesus and submit them to him. Um, Are those judgments true or not? If they are true, then how does he call me to respond to that situation, to that truth? Um, however I respond to it, it is to be by faith in him and the obedience of faith, not led and ruled by my negative emotions and the simple desire of just wanting to feel better. So however God calls me to respond to uh, my situation, it's going to be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So I want to make a point of clarification here, and that is that emotions are God-given gifts to us. Uh, God has wired us, created us with a, a soul, which is this complex mix of thoughts and emotions and uh, will and affection and desire and, and all of that. And God has given us this incredible capacity to feel as creatures made in his image. And in a fallen world, there are a range of emotions that we will experience and we can experience and express in godly ways. So I am not saying that anytime we have some emotion that we typically associate with um you know, being, being a, a negative or unwanted emotion that the goal is to get rid of it. So if you feel grief, uh, the goal here is not just to be happy, clappy Christians all the time and don't ever be sad, don't ever feel grief, don't ever feel uh, righteous anger. Uh, no, the goal is to express our emotions in godly ways when those emotions are consistent with God's assessment, God's judgment of us and our situation and the world. And so there is a sense in which godly grief is that's a that's a part of repentance so when we see our sin for what it is the way god sees it and we come to agree with god's judgment of us and our sin there's this godly grief that results and that godly grief leads to life not to death worldly grief leads to death and so to just wallow in misery woe is me i'm hopeless uh, i'm a failure there's nothing that can be done about it that leads to death there's no hope there so we don't want to confuse 
just because we feel something, um, our world is so intent on validating every possible feeling and feelings rule the day. Feelings rule our lives and people are slaves to their feelings. We don't want to be slaves to our feelings, but we do want to express God-given emotions in God-honoring ways. And so grief is a legitimate experience in this life in a fallen world. And we we grieve. We see that Jesus wept deeply when he was at Lazarus' tomb. Um, he pleaded with God. He was in great agony and distress when he was pleading with the Father in the garden that the cup would be removed from him. Uh, so we see in Jesus these deep and strong emotions. He's not hiding that or trying to act like everything's fine when he's actually in great distress. But we see that what he felt was in line with the reality of the situation, and he expressed it in ways that also expressed faith. And that's where, uh, for example, the category of biblical lament is so helpful to us that a third of the Psalms, 50 of the Psalms at least, are Psalms of lament that express uh, heartache and grief and pain in this world, but it's expressed toward God in faith. And so that Godward expression of grief changes things. Uh, there, There is such a thing as acting sinfully out of our emotions. Um, in grief, you, you can take that as an excuse to act in unloving ways toward people, in sinful ways. Um, anger is another example where there is such a thing as righteous anger, but most of the anger that we see is expressed in sinful ways toward God and toward people. So self-control over emotions, I just want to be clear, I'm not saying that we ought to not feel uh, so-called negative emotions like grief or um, sorrow or anger or whatever else. Uh, I'm saying that we the, the, the fruit of the Spirit produces in us self-control so that we are not ruled by our feelings. Uh, the Spirit of God rules us. And when we feel those things, we are still expressing that in ways uh, we're never exempted from the biblical call, the command to love God and love people. Uh, no feeling ever exempts us from that. And so the Spirit of God empowers us to express these emotions in God-honoring ways that's, that still show love for God and love for people. So after identifying the thoughts, judgments, beliefs that are leading to the emotions, the feelings that we're experiencing, we need to evaluate those judgments according to the truth of God's word. That's the only objective, not subjective, but objective and authoritative standard by which we can measure our own judgments about the world. Are our thoughts consistent with the truth of what God says about who he is, the truth of what he says about us and what he says about the world? We want to evaluate everything in light of God's word. And then the next question is, how does God call me to respond to this? So what does God say about my situation? What does God say about who I am? What does God say about who he is? And this is where... Uh, I must believe these things. So if my judgments are untrue, then I'm turning away from them and I'm turning to the truth of what God says. This is where being in community with other believers is so helpful, so powerful, because others can speak truth into our lives. And um, we must exercise our sanctified will to be the kind of people who are 
easily edified, easily built up, receptive to what others are saying. Don't respond to believers around you who are speaking the truth of God's word. Don't respond to them dismissively. Um, Don't respond impatiently. Don't shut down what they're saying. Uh, Assert that spirit-sanctified will to receive God's word and believe it. So this is how you grow in spirit-empowered self-control over your emotions by evaluating your thoughts and your judgments in light of God's word, taking thoughts captive to obey Christ, um, taking the judgments that are true and accurate, responding to them not in despair or uh, ruled and dominated by your feelings, uh, but in trusting obedience to God, and then taking the judgments that are false and turning away from them throwing them out, uh, repenting and and turning your back on those and turning your mind intentionally, inclining your heart toward God and toward his word to trust what he says about you. And then by faith, you, you begin to walk in what God calls you to regardless of how you feel. And this is again where I think a lot of us get into trouble when we so desperately want to feel better so quickly that we turn our mind to a, a, a promise, to a, a truth in God's word Uh, we say we believe it, we don't feel any different, we don't feel any better, and so we conclude it's not working, and then we despair and give in to being ruled by our emotions and um, making decisions based off of how we feel. Uh, We are to cling to the truth of what God says regardless of how we feel, because it's true, and its truth is not measured by our feelings, but by the God who said it. And if God said it, then it's true, and we are to, to hold on to that and trust it um, no matter how we feel and until uh, we begin to experience that change by his grace. And so the the last question to ask ourselves really is, how should I respond? How is God calling me to respond in Christ-like ways by the power of the Spirit? What steps of faith is God calling me to take in the middle of this circumstance that has provoked these feelings in me, how is God calling me to respond by faith regardless of how I feel, trusting him and walking in his ways? That's how God is glorified in us as we bear the fruit of the spirit, self-control in our thoughts and our feelings and our behavior as uh, one holistic thing. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our discipleship huddle guide, which is based on the DNA guide by Saturate Resources music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere and it's used under a Creative Commons license.